This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Sean. I just wanted to take a minute here at the top of the show to chat with you for just a second. First of all, thank you for listening. We've made it to episode 52 and we love every second of creating a podcast for you guys. I invite you to take a role in the show by sending us uh, some comments about what you hear and suggestions on things that you'd like to hear us talk about. You can send all of that to us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can email us at mail at CosmicPotato.com. And I also wanted to thank Jeff Shackelford for being on the show this week. Uh, you'll be hearing from him in, in just a few minutes. Rick and I met Jeff last year at Magic City Con. Speaking of which, I will be at this year's Magic City Con, which will be this month on June 30th through July 2nd here in Birmingham at the Winfrey Hotel at the River Chase Galleria. So if you live here in the South... Or if you're passing through or whatever, you know, you should come on out and visit. I'll be conducting some panels, playing some games, giving out a prize or two. So I'd like to see you there. And you can find a link in our show notes for this episode where you can uh, where you can go to buy tickets. And the tickets are very affordable compared to some of the other uh, cons in the area. And lastly, we were experimenting this week with Zencaster, which is another program for recording podcasts. And everything worked pretty good, but... Rick's audio kind of cut out and got choppy a few times throughout the show. But if you bear with it, I think we had a pretty good show otherwise. And uh, I just wanted to let you know about that issue here at the beginning so that you'll know about it. We'll research that issue and we'll work it out before the next show. But uh, thanks, guys. Now let's crank up the theme music and get the show started. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 52 of Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray. Sitting across the virtual table from me is my friend and co-host, Mr. John Irons. How are you, John? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. And a friend of the show from the Simply Syndicated Network, Rick. Good day, sir. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. And we have a guest on the line with us tonight, uh, Jeff Shackelford. How are you, Jeff? I'm great. Glad to be here. Uh, Rick and I met Jeff at Magic City Con last year, and he's been on the Prime Direction before. And he's here tonight to chat with us, well, about everything that we're going to talk about. But specifically, later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, collecting, collectibles, and that kind of stuff. And uh, so he knows quite a bit about that, so uh, so he's here to join us for that conversation. But first, we're going to play a game, because we haven't done that in a while. Cool. Uh, 
I thought that we we dive in tonight by playing Fresh or Rotten. John, Rick, I know you both have played that, the Rotten Tomatoes game. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, what it is is, uh, for, for listeners that don't know, this is the game where I've chosen several movies of all genres, and I'm going to pull up their score here on Rotten Tomatoes, on the, on the Rotten Tomatoes website, and I'm going to see how close you guys get to guessing the right score. And if you don't know, if you don't know how Rotten Tomatoes works, it it it, com- it compiles all the reviews that are mo- that a movie gets from the official critics, and then it grades them based on that. So it's a scale of zero percent to a hundred percent, and the higher the score is, the better it was reviewed. And anything above seventy percent is considered to be uh, fresh. So tonight's focus for the game is the '90s. So all these movies came out between 1990 and 1999. Oh, I barely yeah. remember that decade. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I'll, I'll do is, I'll, yeah, I'll name I'll name the movie and I'll give you the year that it came out, and then if you need it, I, I can tell you who was in it and who directed it. But I'll just take turns from each each of the three of you, and you'll guess what the score is, and then whichever one of you comes the closest will win that that one. And there's ten of them all together. So, okay. Uh, number one is The Big Lebowski from 1998. Rick, what do you think? Well, it's a cult favorite. I know that much. Uh, yeah. I also am, am one of, I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen it. Um, but given how much uh, adoration is heaped upon it any time I see it mentioned, I'm going to say 75%. All right. Jeff, what do you think about The Big Lebowski? This was a movie I remember when it came out. I believe I was in college, and everyone was talking about. And I, I'm going to say around 63 percent because I saw it years later, and it became one of my favorites. But I'm going to say when it first came out, it wasn't uh, very critically well received. So I'm going to put it at 63. Okay. And John, what do you think? Um, I am one of the rare minority who. I just didn't. I'm not gonna say I didn't get it because I got it. I just didn't. I didn't love it. Didn't like, didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. I'm like. You know, the Big Lebowski is like, like the Princess Bride. Like, what do you mean you don't like it? I just. I, I don't. I'm sorry. Just it was okay. Wait, you're not uh, saying you didn't like the Princess Bride, are you? No, 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 no. no. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> don't hurt me. It's great. <laughs> and Nigga Montoya. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly I have no recollection of the kind of uh reviews it got when it came out. Yeah. Uh so I'm I'm going to guess that um the average reviewer also didn't get it, but they they love the Cohen brothers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh now these are just reviews from when it came out, right? It's not like throughout time. I believe it's just for when it came out. All right, then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go kind of low. I'm gonna say like forty five. Eighty one percent. Yikes! Woo. So Rick got that that one. Uh, <laughs> the guy didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little better than you remember. I, actually, I've only seen that movie one time, and it was when it was fresh on video. So uh, the second one from nineteen ninety nine, being John Malkovich. Oh. I love that movie so much. Yeah, that one's going to be high. Back to you, Rick. I I love that movie, but I don't th- I 
I don't think the critics would have, and I, I, I'm sure that it's a it's a very very niche niche film. Ah, uh, all right. Do I do I make a bold stance or do I just kind of cut it down the middle? <laughs> um, well, you know what? Critics sometimes go. If I don't get it, it must be deep. So I'm going to go. High, I'm going to give it high marks. I'm going to say eighty five percent. All right. What about you, Jeff? You know, I, I agree. It was a niche movie, but it's also the kind of movie critics seem to love because it was uh, very different. So I'm going to go very high, too. I'm going to go 90%. Ooh. That might be too high, but I'll I'll go 90. Okay. John? I was I was actually going to go high, too. So you went 90. I'm going 98. It's going to be 20 now. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's 93. Woohoo! So that actually it goes to it, go, it, it. I guess it goes to Jeff because he was only three off. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so one point for Jeff. Yeah, ninety three. Right. Yeah, that's that's that is a good movie. I, the first time I saw it, I was like, "What in the world am I watching?" <laughs> but you, it's like you're watching a fever dream it. or something. But it's a great movie. <laughs> you know. Have you watched it more than once? Yeah, I've, I've seen it at least twice. I saw it when it first came out on video, and then I saw it again a couple of years ago. On like the that, that was the thing that impressed show. me the most about it was that you know the first time you watch it, yeah, you feel like you just woke up from from a, a malaria uh, yeah. bout. <laughs> but actually, it, a second watch is even better. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. That once you know what you're getting in that movie, it becomes a lot better. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's one of those movies that when you try to explain it to somebody else, they look at you like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> they go into John Malkovich's brain, and then when they come out, they land on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> it just it's a crazy concept, but you know. All right, the third one is from 1991, Hudson Hawk. Oh wow! If you don't remember, it's uh, Bruce Willis and Andy McDowell. And Rick, what do you think about that one? I, I mean, I'm sure I know what you think of the movie itself. <laughs> I've, I've never seen it. Uh, oh, okay. I know, yeah, I'm I'm not a big Bruce Willis fan, and uh, and actually in 1991 I was in boot camp, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of movie watching. So, <laughs> um, oh, jeez. Uh, I, I, the only thing I know is it's it pretty much shows up on the worst movie lists all the time. So I'm going to say 30. Okay, Jeff. Yeah, I'd agree. It's it, it's an okay movie. I've seen it a few times. It's one of these really weird movies when Bruce Willis was just doing anything and everything, and I bet the critics hated it. I'm going to go 20%. Okay. All right. What about you, John? Uh, I agree. It 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 wasn't that bad. It was okay. But, yeah, it, it was it was just, yeah, it was destroyed by the critics, so I'm going to go, like, 12. Ooh. Okay. It's actually twenty six percent, so that point wow. goes to Jeff as well. Killing it! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right, number four from nineteen ninety seven, Speed Two Cruise Control. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, what do you think about that one? Oh, Sandra man. Bullock, Jason Patrick, William Defoe. Yeah, I yeah. I actually enjoyed Speed, much to my own surprise. Uh, did not see Speed Two. Don't think I know anyone that did. Yes, you oh, do. I, I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. He said with a voice full of shame. 
Yes, you do. I'm going to say 10% on that one. All right. Jeff, what do you think? I'm going to go 50%. I saw it in the theater and just remember thinking it felt like they rushed to make that sequel. So I'm going to go right at 50%. Okay. John? Um, It was not good. Like I, <laughs> there was, there was literally one scene that I remember because there was one scene that I enjoyed. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go 30. 3%. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that point goes to Rick. <laughs> All right. Uh, so when you make a Keanu Reeves movie without Keanu Reeves in it, that's what exactly. happens. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number five. Jackie Brown, and I forgot to write down the year, but I think that was 1997 or 8. Jackie Brown starring Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert De Niro, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Rick, I know you're not a Tarantino fan. You fell asleep. (laughs) I fell asleep, yeah. Um, Really? Yeah, I'm not a Tarantino fan, but the rest of the world seems to love that SOB. So, um... Oh, that's tough. Uh, and I know that it's it's one of his more well-regarded ones. Hmm. Let's say... 83. Okay. Jeff, what do you think? I love this movie. So I, I love Tarantino's movies. I saw this opening night it came out. Um... I'm going to go really high because usually his movies get all high reviews and uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go 92%. Okay. All right. John, what do you think? I'll split the difference and I'll say like 87. Man, right on the money. 87%. John gets a point. (laughs) I'm on the board. All right. Number six. I wanted to like it because I love Pam Greer, but... uh... This one is from, I believe, 1997. I forgot to write the year on that one, too. Anyway, Spice World, starring the Spice Girls. Ooh. Rick? <laughs> I'll tell you what I want. Um, <laughs> uh, 5%. Okay. All right, Jeff? Uh, I- I'm going to go prices right, 1%. Okay. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, what year was it? Do we don't know. Ninety-seven, late, I believe. Mid, late nineties. Yeah. Um. Fifteen. All right, thirty-six percent. Wow. So John gets a point on that one, and it's probably all reviewed by little girls. But <laughs> I was working at. I was working in a movie theater when that came out, so it was all ten-year-old girls. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I actually saw that or not. I think I've seen parts of it. I don't think I ever saw the whole thing. Yeah, that's me. I've, I've seen pieces seen. of it, but yeah. All right, number seven from 1995, Leaving Las Vegas, starring Nick Cage and Elizabeth Shue. Rick. Uh, okay. Um... Again, not a film I've ever seen and not one I'm ever going to see because I've heard 
that it's one of the most depressing films ever made. It is pretty um, depressing. It is. But I've also heard it's some of Nick Cage's best work, and when he's good, he's great. It's a rare thing, but... <laughs> it's before he went uh, broke and he started having to take every script that they put on his coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say 95%. All right. Jeff? Yeah, didn't Nick Cage win an Oscar for this one? Isn't that what he won the Oscar for? I don't remember. Uh, it seems like the movie won. It seems like the movie won an Oscar, but I don't know if he specifically won. Yeah, I know it was nominated. I don't remember um, what for or if it won. I think I think he won for adaptation, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I remember it, it was nominated for a lot of Academy Awards, and generally those that are nominated for awards get higher views. So I'm going to go 96. percent all right. John? You know what? I'm pointing to the rafters. I'm going 100%. Okay. Uh, it actually got uh, 90%. So oh. that would be Rick. Rick got that one. <laughs> and he's never seen the movie. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number eight from 1997, The Full Monty. Starring Robert Carlyle, Tom Wilkinson, and Mark Addy. Rick? That was a very fun movie. Yes, it was. Um, about which I remember very little. <laughs> um, I, I think that one did pretty well. I know it was, I know it was very popular with the people. Um, especially with middle-aged housewives. Um, hmm, let's say... Uh, sorry, I just got distracted. My screen turned off. The one Zencaster, unlike Skype, doesn't keep your computer awake. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's say seventy-eight percent. Okay, Jeff, what do you think? I'm going to go around sixty-five percent. Uh, it it was a fun movie, but it yeah, sixty-five percent seems about right to me. Okay, John. I remember when this came out, um, and I didn't know what the full Monty meant. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I read some reviews, and all the reviews that I remember reading were very positive. And I saw it in the theater, and I thought it was great. Um, so I'm gonna go high. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like, what'd you do, Rick? What'd you say? He said seventy-eight. Yeah. Seventy-eight. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like ninety. I'm gonna go eighty. 88, 88, 88. All right. 95%. Wow. Oh, so John just gets a point on that, too. Yeah, it was very well received. Yeah. All right, two more. 1995 Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> the first one, right? My, the first one? My wife groaned as soon as I said <laughs> Yeah, the first one, the first one. Okay. Rick, right. what do you think? First, what do you think? was good. That was a surprisingly better movie than I expected it to be, but I don't think the critics <laughs> would agree with me on that. Um, uh, that one, I'm, I'm going to take the middle road, and I'm going to say 57. All right. Jeff? Yeah, I, I second everything Rick said. Uh, it, it was fun for us geeks, but, yeah, critics are collecting. I'm going to go 44. Okay. John? I I agree. I thought it was it was surprisingly good. 
that was back when superhero movies sucked, and that one was actually pretty entertaining. Um, so I'm, I'm going to think that critics were also pleasantly surprised. I'm going to go high. I'm going to say like 85. Yeah, critics don't generally care for uh, video game adaptations. It got a 34. Oh. So Jeff gets that point. So you guys are all tied up with three each. So this one's going to uh, decide the game. And this one is from 1997. It's Double Team, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. My oh, wife wrong again. <laughs> yeah, we heard, heard that one. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Rick? I've never even heard of this movie. Oh, really? I vaguely remember that movie. I actually went uh, to see this movie. So. <laughs> well, we... Was that based on... The, wait, no, I'm thinking of Double Dragon. No, no, d- no, Double Team. Yeah, Double Team. With Van Damme and Rodman, um, I, I, I'll i be generous and say 10%. <laughs> I'm like, knowing nothing, nothing more than that, yeah. you can probably make an estimate. Jeff, what do you think? I remember when this movie came out and thinking the only reason it came out was because Dennis Rodman was at the top of his game. This is when he was everywhere, all over every t-shirt and uh, cover of Sports Illustrated, all that. But they just put him in a movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm going to go 1% on this one. Okay. <laughs> all right, John, what do you think? Wow. Way to squat up all the territory, guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's still, uh, there still zero. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll say I'll say zero. <laughs> zero. All right. I'm going zero. Actually, yeah. it actually got eleven percent. So Rick wins the game. <laughs> Yay! Wow. Hey, good job, Rick. All right. A uh, couple of uh, news items I wanted to cover before we get into our uh, main topic. Uh, First of all, Rick finally bent the, bit the bullet and got stars, so he watched American Gods this week. <laughs> oh, my gods. So, oh, my <laughs> gods. <laughs> so, what did you think of the, of the season so far? I am so into this show, I can't even... I, 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 you know, on the one hand, I, it's kind of nice to have to wait to be, you know, oh, I can't wait for next week's episode. On the other hand, I want them all right now, because yeah. I want to not go to bed for two days and see the whole damn thing yeah um i'm it's just amazing uh i've been i've been kind of trying to figure out in my head because it's been it's been almost 10 years since i read the book so my memories of it are are vague enough that a lot of what's happening you know i I remember the broad strokes but a lot of the details are, are are kind of new again um but things like the scene in the with the 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 russian uh sisters are exactly the way I remember. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, at least the the feel of it, if not necessarily the you know the the dialogue and stuff, but just the the, the flavor is so spot on, and all the performances are. are you know, what's funny is I'm I'm watching that thing and I'm like, wow, this this woman she looks an awful lot like Cloris Leachman, <laughs> and then I see the credits. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea she was that old, unless they did some you know. No, she's up there. She's she's in her eighties, isn't she? I think. She is. She's a very old woman. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just, uh, there has not, I, I know some people, uh, I've heard some people have, have uh, well, actually, the some people was you guys talking about it last week. <laughs> I was about to say, it might have been me. Yeah. Um, 
you know, talking about, you know, Laura being a little too much of a superhero kind of thing. Although I, I got a kick out of that, uh, um, you know, when she started destroying the, the, the tech boys constructs because, uh, you know, they weren't really people. So the fact that they exploded when she hit them didn't really <laughs> But I'm just I'm loving it. I think it's it's awesome. I if I if I had a criticism, it would be that I think this version of Shadow is a little too engaged in what's going on around him. Yeah, that but, was my complaint, if you recall. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's right. Because we, we, we the first time we talked about it, and I agree with you. But if he was as detached as he is in the book, I think it'd be hard to relate to him. So yeah, Cloris Leachman is 91. Oh wow! So, yeah, okay. She's up there. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, have you seen American Gods? So this is one of the many shows on my uh, to-do list uh, because <laughs> yeah. I just I want uh, and yeah I've got them all on my DVR right now backed up. Uh, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Neil Gaiman. Uh, am I saying his name right? By the way, is it Gaiman? Gaiman? Yeah. I'm a huge fan Gaiman. of his reading comic Gaiman. books, and uh, so this is on my list of things to do. So, um, but yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm liking the show. I know I had a couple of things to say about the episode four, the one we were talking about last week. You know, with uh, with the uh, the whole diarrhea scene and all that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, I really like the show. I mean, I do. It's it's a little bit out of order as far as the 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 book is concerned. Some of the scenes are not happening in the same order that they happen in the book. But it's it's not really it's not really presented in a linear style anyway. So that, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really detract for me, but, uh, Jillian Anderson dressed as David Bowie in the last episode. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. <laughs> I, I liked her more as Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, actually, Marilyn Monroe but, at the uh, end. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, I'm, I, one, one thing I am impressed with and I'll, I'll, I'll keep this PG. <laughs> I, I'll say the, the show, the show is not afraid of the pee pee. Yeah, uh, true, true. <laughs> yeah, st- right. stars. Yeah, stars likes to likes to get some shock value out of things, so they will. No, it's just it's just nice to see a little equality in the, right. You know, yeah, it is literally good for the gander. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you talked about Alien Covenant at all, or were you planning? I haven't seen it. Has, I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it? Okay. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You can talk about it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just debating on how <laughs> diplomatically say I didn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question, Jeff. Are you a fan of the Alien franchise? Yes, very much so. Um, I loved all the uh, books, which the books are kind of like the old Star Wars expanded universe. I read all the books and everything, and now I guess they're not canon anymore. But I love the Alien universe. I was very disappointed when Prometheus came out because I felt like it really just didn't satisfy. Uh, but but this we actually get the aliens in, which is good. So, uh, But uh, I just thought it really continued the story well in that kind of era in between Prometheus and Alien um, before we see the Nostromo uh, take off and uh, Alien. But I, I, I like the backstory. I thought David was a, another good android uh, bad guy. And I... I don't know. I I really liked it, uh, but I might be biased because I'm a huge fan of the Alien franchise. So, I am too. I, I love Alien, and I think it's 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 interesting. I think we're coming at this from a, the uh, the same original starting point, but with two different kind of ideologies. 
because I love Alien, but I don't think they've done justice to them since Aliens. Um, and Prometheus, I thought, was a, was a steaming pile of cell- celluloid dreck. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Covenant is, is infinitely better. I mean, at least it's at least it's got internal consistency to it. Uh, you know, it's as a film, it's much better than Prometheus. Um, you know, one thing that both Prometheus and Covenant have in common is that Ridley Scott is still one hell of a great visual director, and they're both gorgeous. Um, oh yeah, The Martian was a beautiful movie. I mean, no question. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just I think that the the problem I had with one of the problems I had with with Covenant. One is that uh, Ridley Scott seems to think that only idiots are going to go into space in the future um, <laughs> because it, it was a ship full of utterly disposable morons who totally fell apart as soon as the, the uh, pressure went up. Um, and and then just the, the film itself, the story, the, the, th- the, the realization I had that kind of hit me in between the eyes after I saw it was that Alien movies now have become indistinguishable other than visually from all of the crappy ripoffs that came out in 1980 after Alien was such a yeah. big hit. Um, they've become nothing more than, in, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, a thin, the thinnest of plots stringing together how many different ways can we have the aliens kill people. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just I was disappointed to see it go that way. Yeah. Kind of yeah. It's turning it I mean it's it's like a slasher film. You know, you go and watch a you go and watch a Friday the 13th movie and they're just trying to think up new ways for Jason to kill people. You know, it's it, exactly. it's kind of the same thing, yeah. I'm going to put this one uh okay, I'll agree a little bit to put this in the same category as Kingdom of Crystal Skulls and Phantom Menace. Anything is better than none. So uh, maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just seeing the aliens on the big screen again got me all excited. So yeah. Oh, and I I I let me just clarify. I rejoice that you could find that you enjoyed that movie because I wanted to and couldn't. So I'm I'm in no way denigrating anyone that enjoyed it. Uh, more power to you. Your your five your eight bucks or whatever wasn't wasted. Mine was. <laughs> uh, I saw a movie this week. I went to see yeah. uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. And I give it two thumbs up. And people think I'm crazy. Because I'm the weird guy that really enjoyed all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. All, all, there's five of them now. And you know some of them are better than others. The first one was unquestionably the best. But I've gone to see all of them in the theaters. And they're, I mean, they're entertaining. I'm, I'm, they're, not, they're not Citizen Kane. They're not going to win... Oscars or anything like that, but they're entertaining popcorn movies. What'd you say, Sherry? Shame on me for what? Oh, yeah, my my wife loves them too. So. <laughs> um, I mean, they're not movies that I go back and I watch over and over and over, but uh, I don't think I've seen any of them more than the one time that I saw it in the theaters. But they, they tend to be a little bit long. <laughs> Most of them are over two hours. This one, I think, hit the two-hour mark right on the nose. But my official review would be that it's a good movie. Uh, Javier, am I pronouncing his name correctly? Javier Bardem. Um, he yeah. makes a really good villain, as he usually does. But um, this is more or less a, another vehicle for Johnny Depp to play Jack Sparrow again, which is which is fine. You know, uh, my review comes with the condition that if you didn't like the previous ones, then you, there's not going to be anything in this movie that's going to make you change your mind. You know, it's it's basically a new episode in that series. But 
But I do, you know, if you're looking for something to watch, it's a good movie. I liked it. Am I the only one that's seen if it? If it's fun. <laughs> yeah. This will be the first one we won't have seen in the theaters. Yeah. Um, just because this is the first one that's come out since we had the uh, our baby. Because there hasn't been one for the last five years, has uh, there? Yeah. Four or five years. It's no, been, not five. It's been, yeah. it's been at least at least three years, I know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen them all in the theaters. And, I you know, I, it's not like I expect a Pirates of the Caribbean movie to be some, some great earth-shattering cinematic experience. Yeah. Um, I just want it to be fun. And the first one was fun. The second one made me want to gouge my eyes out. The third one was okay. The fourth one was just kind of silly and fun. I, I know I saw it. I remember absolutely nothing except him running on top of a big hamster wheel thing. Um, yeah. And there's a lot more of that know, kind so of stuff in this one. So, Yeah. It, if it's fun, that's great. When it hits, you know, when it hits Netflix or Amazon, I'll be glad to, to, you know, drop a couple of bucks and rent it. But, uh, just going going out of my way like we have to with the kids and all the money it costs to go to the go to the cinema. I just don't think it's worth yeah. it. Yeah, it's especially great if it's if you're looking for something for a family to watch and there's not going to be anything really offensive for the kids. Uh, my my family tends to get tired of superhero movies after a while, even though I love them. Uh, you know, we go see all the all the Marvel movies. They just know. If there's a Marvel movie coming out, oh yeah, Dad's gonna take us to see that movie, you know. But it's 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 just something that's a little bit different that you know that the whole family can can enjoy. But um, I haven't seen yeah. it either. But I'm seeing it this weekend. It's the first Pirates movie I haven't seen opening weekend. So yeah, but looking forward to it this weekend. So I'm excited. I'm trying to talk my family into going to see Wonder Woman tomorrow night. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're gonna make it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tomorrow's two o'clock show. One one last thing I wanted to talk about, and I just briefly mention it: Steven Spielberg is bringing back Animaniacs, and there really isn't much more information to give other than it, it's happening, and I'm going to watch it. I don't need any more information than that. <laughs> but the uh, the quote from the the story that I saw says, per a report from TV Line's sister site IndieWire, Amblin Television. And Warner Brothers Animation are in early talks to bring back Animaniacs, the Steven Spielberg-produced cartoon series about three out-of-control children, the Warner Brothers Wacko and Yakko, <laughs> along with their sister, Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca Banana Fana Bobesca III, but you can call her Dot. So, you know, I loved Animaniacs when I was a teenager. I, I, was, I was still into a lot of cartoons. I watched that, and I watched Freakazoid. And, you know, those were two that I watched every time they came on. I don't know if all the voices are going to be the same. I'm assuming Jess, Jess Harnell that did uh, 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 Yakko's voice and, you know, Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson that did Pinky and the Brain, you know, they're all still working, so I'm assuming they'll be there. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I don't, it, I don't know if it's going to be on Fox or if it's going to be on Netflix or what. You know, it's just it's just something that just came out this week, so. Excited for Wasn't that? Frank Welker Animaniacs too? Uh, probably. He's in everything else, <laughs> especially know, from he, that time. He, he's yeah. the voice actor of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem with doing something like this, and I'd be ha I'll be happy to be proved wrong, is a lot of those cartoons, like Animaniacs and and uh, uh, um, Tiny Toons and stuff like that, 
you know, they had, there was a, a, a zeitgeist at the time that they really cashed in on. Yeah. Uh, that won't work now for, like, the age range that's going to want to watch it. Uh, well, well, they're, they're going to have to do one of two things. They're going to have to either make it for kids today, which means that the people that watch the original show are probably not going to like it. Yeah. Or they're going to want, or they're going to aim it at the people who grew up watching it, and then try to recapture that flavor, which almost never works, and so it'll be disappointing to everyone. See, I, I'm more optimistic than that because <laughs> I feel like it was never really made for kids. Like, not like kids couldn't watch it, but it wasn't made for kids like the, the way like the old Looney Tunes weren't made for kids. Yeah. You know, the, it was it was family friendly, but it was definitely. Um, made for adults or like you know people old enough to get it and i think that's really all they have to do and a lot of the zeitgeist that they captured was zeitgeist that they created because they were kind of the first series of cartoons to really do that like that to 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 make cartoons for that that like college students and like adults could enjoy again so if they if they do that then they're fine if they do try to make it for like kids, kids, then you know it'll suck. But I, I'm I've I've got I've got faith that they won't. Yeah, I'm hoping that they aim it for this. Well, I'm hoping that they aim it for the same market that they aimed the first one at because I think if they try and aim it for 35 to 40 year old guys, because we watched it when we were you know 13, 14 years old, then we might go and watch the first few episodes, but we're not going to tune in every single week to watch the new you know i gotta see animaniacs this week but you know if if they aim it at teenagers and college students and stuff it's more likely to to stick around and the adults will come back from time to time to try and you know get their nostalgia fix or whatever well it's netflix right so they'll just they'll release them all they haven't said they haven't said if it's going to be netflix or if it's going to be on fox or something like that they're just in they should just do it on netflix i like that idea they yeah. should. Yeah. Everything should be on Netflix. It's, it's bit... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including Sense8. Yeah. Yeah, Sense8. Sense8 got the can. Uh, John, did, did Sense8... I haven't finished season two yet. Did Sense8 end on a cliffhanger? Um, It ended on a cliffhanger as much as season one ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So they resolved, like, the major... Well... They resolved one of the major plot points, I guess. Well, actually, no, they didn't. Yeah, it would end on a lot of cliffhangers. Yeah, I wish that they would at least, <laughs> which, is, which is why, at least come back and yeah. do maybe another two-hour episode to try and wrap things up or something instead of just leaving stuff like that hanging out there. Uh, but that's a sci-fi show breaks my heart yeah. again. It's a, it's a, it's an expensive show to make because it's made globally. It's it takes place all over the world and it has a fairly large cast. So Netflix may just not be able to keep up with the uh, the budget that they want to set aside for it may not be enough for what needs to be spent on it to make it look good. But Netflix should have asked me which shows they could cancel. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they just <laughs> do keep, like do like going. Sherlock does, and you you've got a budget. Just make three really good episodes a year instead of trying to make you know twelve or fifteen. If you can just make three a year and they're good. You know that would satisfy us, but you know everybody, 
Everybody wants to try and hit that number on Netflix and stuff. It's it's usually 12, 13 episodes. On network television, it's always got to be 22, 23 episodes. When really, if you do like, like Better Call Saul is one of my favorite shows on TV. They do 10 episodes a year. Yes. And, and they're great. They're great episodes. The whole series is great, you know. And But, you know, that's that's my soapbox. Well, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think this show because the cast is large and everyone has their own plot lines it like it it i don't feel like there's necessarily like a lot of filler so i don't i don't mind that and i appreciate how epic and ambitious it is but if you know you got a show like that you know write it so that that is this is my here's my soapbox if you scoot over please sean thank you thank you If you got a sci-fi show, you know you're on the bubble of getting canceled anyway. Always. 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 Don't write big cliffhanger endings in case, because they they think like they're rolling the dice. Like, well, if we put a big cliffhanger, the fans will be, you know, they'll write in and say, you have to finish it. No, they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. Just write, write. (laughs) No. Write an ending to your show. Again, once again, Buffy was the perfect model. Write an ending to your season wrap up the storyline of the season and sprinkle the seeds for the next season. And if the next season shows up, then great. And if it doesn't, you know, there's a conclusion. That's all I don't, the cliffhanger, uh, the cliffhanger, um, season finale is, is needs to be yeah, retired. But I don't have, I don't have a problem with like the, like the way the flash does their season finales. If you know, yeah, you're coming well, I mean, back, but they completely wrap up their story. I mean, they, they, they wrap up the whole right. story from that season and then the last scene, they'll open up a cliffhanger that you know is going to come back for next season. But you're not left ha- left hanging on all the stuff you've been watching for that whole year not being resolved, you know. Uh, you might want to pick a better example than The Flash. Because <laughs> it ended on no, a pretty it, big cliffhanger. Yeah, I know. Like it I, didn't end on a big cliffhanger, but they resolved everything from that season before they did that. Yeah. I guess it's the same difference to me. Well, I mean, how much of a cliffhanger is that? You you know, that's not going to stay like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about because we know he's coming back for another season. But how many shows have you seen that have ended on a cliffhanger just like that and just never came yeah, back? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I can name like three off the top of my head. I don't want to see an entire season of Barry walking around in the celestial temple, <laughs> talking to. No, I. <laughs> Talking to the prophets, I'm you know. Saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying we know for a fact that it is getting renewed for another yeah, yeah, season. Yeah. So we'll, we'll come back and they'll know. But I'm saying there's lots of shows that end on a big cliffhanger like that that just never come right. back. Yeah. And what happened to them? Are they still traveling through space? Did they ever make it to their planet? Did he ever get out of. I can. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I'm getting off my no, soapbox. Yeah. Hey, I, I, know you're, I know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming from. Really quick before we move on, and I'm not gonna—I'm just gonna throw this plug out there. If you're a science fiction fan and you're not watching The Expanse, what the hell's wrong with you? It's still an awesome yeah. show. I okay. need, yeah, I still need to go back. Like I said, they don't have season one on uh, my on-demand service, so I need to go back. Didn't you guys tell me it was on uh, Amazon? It's oh, on is Netflix. it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, it was on okay. Netflix. I didn't, Netflix, yeah. I didn't know it was one. on Netflix. Okay. I, I I thought I had looked for it there, I but maybe I didn't. 
Okay, we're going to get into our main topic in just a second, but before we do, let's take a break and listen to a couple of advertisements for our friends over at the Millennial Falcon Podcast and over at World War G. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, we're the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. We're hosted by Anya Crittenton, Hwai Chen Bui, and Willoughby Dobbs. The three of us met in college, bonding over Game of Thrones and Disney. While we've moved past Game of Thrones, we now bond once a week in a podcast that covers everything from superheroes to musicals to summer reading to Pokemon Go. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Falcon Podcast and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Come for the hot takes, stay for the snark and puns. And the friendship that lasts forever. Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life, a little bit more geek in your week, then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com where we talk about everything from movies and television, comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. Okay. Well, uh, usually... We talk about something that has to do with movies or TV shows on here, but we, you know we're a fandom podcast, and every now and then we like to do a topic that has to do with some other aspect of um, the kinds of things we like. Uh, that's why John and I did the did the toy episode a while back, and and this week we're going to talk about collecting, and all of us collect something even if we don't realize that's what we're doing <laughs> you know there's something that if you see it at a flea market or a yard sale or something you just have to have it so um some of us are more dedicated than others but i invited jeff to come on the show tonight because he runs panels at some of the conventions around these parts uh that have to do with this topic so jeff you mostly collect star wars stuff right yeah and in fact um my wife says I collect way too much, but uh, pretty much the focus of my life has been uh, collecting uh, Star Wars toys, and I've, I, I've been a little over-obsessed with it in my life, to say the least. So, Okay. Uh, I, once had a, I once had a room in my house dedicated to the entire Star Wars toy collection, but now it's a child's bedroom, so that's just life. So, but, uh, so where is your collection now, in a box in the basement or something? Uh, well, we have a, uh, in our house, we have a playroom for the kids and I have some of it still to play displayed there. And then I have others of it, uh, boxed up in, uh, in, uh, in storage. So, uh, you know, in various places and everything. So, but yeah, it, it's a rather large collection. And, uh, so I guess, I, I guess when my daughters get older and I get a room back, I'll retake the room, but that's a long way off. So, <laughs> So, so but, what, but yeah, I've just. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say when, when you're when you're out. I mean, are you out specifically looking for Star Wars toys, or is it just stuff that just when you see it, you have to have it, or do you do everything online, or or what? So I, you know, when the uh, original Kenner line came out. Uh, I was on the front end of that, receiving all that, and I never outgrew that stage. And so what happened was was uh, I made a uh, – I wanted every single figure from that particular line, okay? And so even when they were waning in popularity, I was still trying to find them. 
and it was a great time. Like uh, the Kenner line was discontinued in '86, so it was a great time because a lot of people were throwing them out in yard sales, and I was still trying to track them down. And around '91 or '92, they started becoming collectibles, and that's when I still tried to uh, continue buy stuff. Uh, we're at the point now with Star Wars toys that there's so much of it that comes out. You can't get everything. You almost have to be very picky what you do choose and uh, and buy because you just – I can't afford to buy every single toy that comes out. Yeah. So I just look for basically uh, what's cool to me, what looks cool. Um, you know, uh, this past Christmas I bought a couple of the new uh, ships from uh, from Rogue One because I thought they were uh, – they, they just look cool. And, you know, and uh, now when I buy toys, I don't keep them in the box anymore. Uh, because I want to play with them and stuff. And, yeah, I'm, I'm 38 years old, going on 8 years old. But, uh, you know, I, I still want to play with them and everything. And I, I, I still have some in the box and everything. And those, uh, you know, those I've put away. But, you know, you know, there's so many series. The Black Series. There's, oh, gosh, the movie has so many, uh, you know, the classic series. There's so many different figures, toys, play sets coming out that you just can't buy them all. But, you know, what I tell people is in in these panels is is you know find what interests you and uh, you know and and I also talk more about what's um, you know what's valuable, what's not, and all that good stuff, and how to find stuff. Uh, eBay kind of totally changed the world in uh, toy collecting because it became a situation of you didn't have to go to these flea markets and these toy collector shows to buy those hard to find figures it's just how much money do you want to pay to bid on a certain item but uh then again eventually people figured out that they could put forgeries on ebay so that created a whole new problem as well too but yeah yeah, but the fun's in the the fun is really in the hunt the fun is not saying i'll be happy when i have every single toy or when i have every single figure from this particular line the fun is tracking them down and and finding them yeah well uh rick do you collect anything uh, I used to. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I, I remember, I think I was maybe five or six, and we were in a, a drugstore, uh, my mom and I, and I saw the, uh, are, are y'all familiar with the James Blish uh, novelizations of the original Star Trek yeah. series? Yes. Um, there were there were 12 books, 13 if you count the Harry Mudd uh, uh, book, um, and I found... Number three, which is a red book with a picture of Kirk Spock and Uhura on the front. And I remember that was, I had no idea that there was such a thing, that such a thing even existed. I knew, you know, I knew Star Trek, but I didn't know that there was stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And so I got my own, I still have that book in a, in a box, uh, in our storage right now. Um, and I then spent the next, oh, probably 10 or 12 years looking for the rest of those. Now, this was back in, uh, like, 70, 71, when it started. So there was no Internet. There was no way to, you know, and I was, you know, I was a child, so I couldn't go to bookstores and stuff. Right. And so anytime I was out shopping with my mom, she would go shopping, and I would go find any book rack that the store had looking for more of the books in that series. Um, and I eventually got all of them. And then, like, the, the next year, the Science Fiction Book Club put them all out in giant hardcovers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
I, I still have most of them. I discovered, unfortunately, that uh, some wood-eating critters had gotten into some of my boxes, and a couple of them right, got munched yeah. up. Um, but uh, since then, I haven't been so much a collector as an accumulator. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those <laughs> things, like, people find out I like dragons, and then for, you know, a decade, everybody's giving me dragons <laughs> right. for birthdays and, and Christmas and stuff. Um and then, you know, Star Trek is always a good bet with me. Star Wars is always a good bet. Uh, you know, I've got I've got lots of stuff. And Think Geek, uh, you know, if I ever won the lottery, I would just move into Think Geek and, you know, they just have to put up with me sleeping in their yeah, lobby. Yeah, because you guys have a physical <laughs> um, store down there, right? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. need to get back yeah. up there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I don't, I'm, you know... From the, I've got to get this bunch, totally all of these and stuff, uh, I'm not a collector. But if you come into my house, you know, if you look around, there's no doubt what I'm into and what my wife's into and what my kids are into. Uh, So, you know, we gather stuff. Um, It's kind of like what Jeff was saying, you know, when the internet really kind of exploded and eBay started becoming, you know, there was no longer for me any sport in collecting because now you can just go find whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, now it, then it becomes an issue of, wow, you really think that thing's worth that much? <laughs> I'll find someone else. <laughs> um, but like, you know, a great example that just occurred to me, sorry, and I'll, I'll, I'll seed the floor momentarily. Um, I used to have uh, a mug the uh, um, the uh, what's the, uh, false craft China did a, a series of of uh, when Star Trek six came out they did a series of China based on the ones that were used in the dinner scene in Star Trek six uh, right that's deep. and my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my roommates that I lived with they had a little coffee cup from that from that and I used that like every day while I lived with them. And then when I moved out, I was like, well, I'm not going to steal their cup, but I want one. And so I started looking, and I'm looking on eBay, and I find a little coffee cup, and then I find a big freaking mug. I was like, I want that. And there was only one at the time, and I ended up paying like 35 bucks for it. I, I got into a bidding war with someone right <laughs> in the last few minutes uh, uh-huh. and you know, cranked it up about 20 bucks more than I really wanted to pay, but I wanted that thing badly, uh, and I won it. And I use it every single day. Uh, I have never once regretted that purchase. But every now and then, just for giggles, I go, are there any more out there? And now there's tons of them on eBay. Yeah. Yeah, because e- eBay is not the behemoth that it was in the uh, in the late 90s and, and early 2000s. But that's exactly what they wanted you to do. They wanted you to over overspend for stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I don't, I don't necessarily collect... I do, like you said, accumulate a lot of things, especially since, uh, listen, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show. I know I've told you guys I've recently moved, and the, the house that I'm in now has, like, an extra room, and it's it, it's become my, I call it the geek cave. Um, I was recording in, in the little office area, but the echo was so bad that I moved everything into into the geek cave, and I've got posters and, and figures and stuff, and... I said a couple of weeks ago that I have a few pop vinyl figures, but I'm not really collecting them. But now I look over at them, and I think I'm I think I'm collecting them. They're starting it's starting to grow, <laughs> you know. 
you know, I, I, I you know, because I, I just I see them at the store, and I'm like, hey, there's a, you know, I, there's a pretty cool uh, Locutus Borg. I think I'll pick that up, you know, and some will be on sale, and I'll and I'll get them. But uh, my wife recently, I don't know what it is that gets in your mind when you uh, when you get some of a set, and then you <laughs> decide that you need the whole set. Like my wife okay. got me the. What are the Dis- little Disney Infinity uh, figures that came out oh, a while back that man, went with that yeah. video game? Yeah, yeah, that video game they're, they're not making anymore. So these, these figures are like a buck at some of the like Dollar Generals and stuff like that. And my wife brought home four or five that were Star Wars, and then there's a couple that were Avengers. And when I see them, I'm like, thanks. And now I'm like, now I've got to find them all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I very so, much have uh, that gene. When I see yeah. something, I want to buy them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John, do you collect anything? You know, uh, when I knew when I found out what the topic was this week, um, I was thinking about it, and like I was like, no, I don't, I don't really collect anything. Like I'm, I'm like you guys. Like I'll, oh, that T-shirt's cool, or that figure's cool. But I realized I don't, I don't collect it anymore. But probably um late 90s or the 2000s i got <laughs> i got into this thing where i would collect the toys from the wendy's kids meals <laughs> because uh, yeah. I, and i don't i don't remember when it started uh cuz i I'd, I'd been like a happy meals guy and the happy meal toys are meh mcdonald's meh but i i just happened to be at a wendy's one day and got like the kids meal and that toy was great. Like their toys are like great toys. <laughs> yeah. Like there was like a there was like a pen that was also a car. Like you take the top off the the like it was like a little car, you pull it back and you let it go and it was like a little toy car. And you take the top off the car and it was also a pen that had um what else did they have? A pineapple. A pineapple. <laughs> a lot of good stuff. And then and then they I, I guess when um episode one came out maybe episode two um they did a whole series of like star wars toys there was like a yoda magic eight ball it was like a little toy statuette of a a yoda and you turn it over there's a magic eight ball on the bottom like they had some like some great toys so i have a story um, about that thing (laughs) so (laughs) i had I, there's not necessarily a theme aside from you know general sci-fi nerdiness or just whatever, but I, I have a lot of little small figures. Like I've got like a little Pikachu. I've got like a Schroeder from Peanuts. I've got a um, Finn and Jake from Adventure Time. I've got a Iron Giant, and they're all like little tiny deals. And that was a while ago. Well, obviously Finn and Jake wasn't that long ago. But I don't collect a lot of stuff, and I don't have like a big, like literally physically big collection of stuff. But I'll get weird stuff. Like a few years ago, um, I went to a yard sale, and this is this is dumbest thing. It's just it's like a it's a it's it's a lamp, but it's shaped like a giant light bulb. <laughs> so it looks like it just looks like a giant light bulb, and I I so you know what I'm saying there's no, there's no theme. I just yeah. thought it was funny. There was, um, like, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> there were the, you know, like the little M&M guy? I think Red? 
Right, uh, yeah. So, so, so there's like a store display of Red holding up like a tray, and it's like where they had the M and M's in it. And for whatever reason, the store threw it out. <laughs> and this guy is like big. He's like life. He's like he's a good four feet tall. And so I kind of poked my head, and I was like, "Are you guys? That's trash, right?" He's like, "Yeah." Would you mind if I just took it? Uh, no, that's fine. So, of course, I had to, like, smuggle it into the house and hide it. <laughs> <laughs> hide it in the in the extra room, and like, in the room and where no one would see it. Uh, and eventually, uh, it's like the room that connects to the garage, and you can go through the house that way, but I'm the only one who ever uses that door. And for whatever reason, um, my wife was going to come through. I was like, okay, all right. So when you open this door... You're gonna see a four foot M M&M. and M. I don't want you. It's it's. I don't want you to be alarmed. You're gonna ask me why, and I don't have a reason why, except for it was free, and it's a four foot M M&M. and M. Come on. That's you can put a TV. You can put a TV on there. You could like put candy for like when we have a party. Come on. And it was free. It was free. Yeah. She just, she well, just looked the best at me. Kind, yeah. She just looked at me like you know. What is she gonna do? <laughs> at this you point. can't have that image. yeah that's fine you know I, I worked at I worked at a movie theater when I was probably 20 21 something like that and this was this would have been you know late 90s mid to late 90s and all through the 80s when movies came out all they put up was a poster you know uh but in the 90s they started putting up these giant cardboard uh displays for some of the bigger blockbuster movies that were coming out and people would come in and they'd see that hey what are you guys going to do with that when when the movie leaves i'm like what are you going to do with it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nobody's house is big enough to display that kind of stuff you know but most of the time we had put our name on it one of us would take it home i never got any of the big i did get a few posters and they were usually for movies that i really didn't care anything about but hey it's a free poster you know so i took it home sure but uh, yeah i was but jeff uh, asking about that so yeah, <laughs> yeah. i might have been too with, what are you gonna do with the giant con air cutout of nicholas cage <laughs> yeah. in a in a in a undershirt you know <laughs> but uh when you are looking for collectibles when you're looking for star wars toys and stuff like that what in your mind tells you which ones are going to be more valuable than others or well, do you care, or is it just something that you worry about later? I've never sold one of my Star Wars toys, so I don't collect anything for value. Uh, I just collect yeah. it because I want it. Um, and, and I tell people that, too. If you're wanting to collect something to make financial investments, go, go see a financial advisor or something. You know, don't don't go into the uh, toy uh, collecting. Right. But, uh, you know, <laughs> there's, certain, there's certain ones that I'm on the lookout for and uh, that, you know, are um, – that uh, – just because of their high price tag that if I ever can get a good deal and usually going to conventions is a good place to see these, uh, at magic city con in Birmingham, uh, last year, there was a, uh, there was a vendor there that had all these original Kenner line, uh, star Wars toys mint in box. And, you know, on eBay, those things started about, you know, five, $600 and, you know, he was selling them for around three or four hundred. I had to seriously restrain myself from uh, buying uh, buying those things <laughs> there uh, because uh, you know because they're on eBay for you know all this money. Well, who's going to really pay that a lot of times? You know, because but um, you know I just look for things I want. Uh, 
with the original Kenner line, I've pretty much accumulated everything that I really, really want. Uh, now it's there's certain rarities, and and within that, you know, in the original Star Wars toy line, there were so many variations like brown-haired Luke, orange-haired Luke, yellow-haired Luke, because Kenner couldn't keep up with the demand. So when they ran out of paint. Uh, in their factories, they would just start painting Luke Skywalker's with brown hair instead of blonde hair, and that's uh, and so I look for yeah. different variations. Same thing with the gray-haired Kenobi's versus the white-haired Kenobi's, uh, and even in the original Han Solo, there's a big head Han Solo and a small head Han Solo. The mold broke uh, because they were running. Uh, they, they, the demand was so high, so they just changed the mold on the head. And you can actually Google it if anyone ever wants to, Big Head Han versus Small Head Han. So I just look for different variations of the toys and, uh, you know, just um, everything that uh, that looks cool. Uh, you know, uh, let me ask you this. Do any of you, are, you, are any of you guys familiar with the Ralph McQuarrie uh, Star Wars concept art um, where the original paintings oh, yeah. of what Star Wars was supposed to look like? Yeah, 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 I've seen some. So about 10, 12 years ago, they released a toy line, you know, with like, um, and, and the figures looked very, very different, the characters did, and they released a toy line, and as soon as that came out, I said, yep, I'm going to buy those, and I'm not buying one, I'm buying every single one of them. So, of course, I spent way too much money over those, of course, the, that year or so. Uh, hunting those down, finding them, buying them on websites and everything. So, you know, just buy what's cool. You know, I, I I don't really buy, unless I just get a really good price on something, I don't buy for something for money. I buy it because I want it and because it looks really cool. So, um, you know, and, and, and that's all part of the fun. Uh, um, I, You know, uh, there was the original Kenner line that was out from 77 to 86, then there was the Power of the Force 2 collection, which came out in 95. Y'all might remember some of those, the big bulky Star Wars characters. Do y'all remember those? They looked like uh, superheroes, like Luke had like a six-pack. Do y'all remember yeah, those? Yeah, I was going to say, there was, a, there, was a toy, yeah, there was a toy series I remember where Luke came out and he almost looked like He-Man. Right, yeah. <laughs> Is so, that the and, one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I bought everyone in that line, and that line went on all the way up until the Phantom Menace, and they eventually started slimming them down because it was kind of getting ridiculous with, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi having a six-pack also. So, uh, but, <laughs> you, you know, but, uh, you know, I bought every single toy in that line, and then I kind of realized I had to slow down because I was just spending all my money, and I never had any money to do anything else, and, but uh, you know, it's just it's just all about having fun and buying stuff and enjoying it and uh, you know finding and uh, you know was I believe it was uh, Rick who was saying talking about the sport of collecting and that still very much exists in my you know eBay did ruin it a lot but you know you can still find good deals every now and then in comic book shops and everything so I was in a comic book shop uh, last week and. Tuscaloosa, Alabama when I was stopping through there and uh, found some uh, Star Wars toys that I hadn't seen. They had the whole collection of the Star Wars Bendham's toys, which were the toy line they put out in 93 to, as a test run to see if there were if Star Wars toys would still sell again. And they had the whole entire collection. Uh, they had all 15 of them, and uh, I bought a few of them, but uh, couldn't buy any more than that, uh, or else my wife would kill me to echo that sentiment. So, <laughs> yeah. Are you the are you one of the guys that never takes it out of the package or do you care about the package or uh yeah, with some stuff like with the ships and everything, I take them out of the package and I have some of the toys still in the pack like if I buy like an original Kenner like nineteen eighty 
Darth Vader, I'm not taking out the package, but like the new toys, like, oh, when uh, Kylo Ren and uh, all those came out, oh, I was at uh, I was at Walmart and Toys R Us buying them all, and, you know, and I like to play with them with my daughters. I'm trying to get them interested in it, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, I, I totally like to take those out because, um, you know, I mean, toys are meant to be played with, right? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. some I of the stuff. I take all my stuff out and put yeah. it on the shelf, so. Yeah, yeah, um, but um, it's uh, it's really fun, though, and, you know, you can actually go on uh, various sites and through, like, uh, all kind of vendor websites and buy, like, stands for your toys, and those are really cool as well, too. Uh, I also had, uh, I had a pretty good collection of G.I. Joes, and I bought a bunch of stands for those, and I used to play G.I. Joes for Star Wars, but the Star Wars always had a bigger fascination with me but uh but it was really cool uh i bet many people out there probably did the star wars versus gi joe thing so sure because they're about the same size are you familiar with toy fair magazine uh yes yeah i'm familiar with it yes um i i like you know i've never been that into into uh collecting toys and stuff but uh, a friend of mine is and every time I'd go to visit him, he'd say, you've got to see the latest, uh, what, what do they call it, uh, some toy theater or something that, the, that they do in the magazine every issue. Hmm. And it's just they take action figures and they, they, have, they act out little, little skits with the action figures and give them speech bubbles, bubbles and stuff. But it's it's some really twisted stuff and it's hilarious. <laughs> Robot chicken kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, robot chicken. That that's great stuff because they use a lot of the old toys in that. So, yeah, when I was a kid, I had a cousin that uh, I, I won't say that he collected Star Wars toys. He just had a lot of Star Wars toys. He was a little older than I was. I was born in '77, so he was actually of the age in '77 to be into Star Wars, and so he had a lot of those toys. And he had the big Darth Vader case that they went in and all that kind of stuff. Well. As he got older and he stopped playing with them, eventually his mom like threw him out, got rid of him. And I remember him telling me, I wish I still had those toys because they're worth so much money. Fast forward, John and I are working for an advertising place doing door-to-door sales. And it was about the time, John, I don't know if you remember this, but it was about the time that The Phantom Menace came out. Actually, it was exactly the time that The Phantom Menace came out. And sure. we, took, we took our lunch break and went to Kmart. And when you, as soon as you walked in the door at Kmart, they had all the Phantom Menace toys right at the front door. And I, and I said to John, I said, we need to buy some of these toys. <laughs> I said, why? Because this is the time, man. Yep. <laughs> They're going to be worth so much money. So I remember buying an armload. I, I remember I had uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and I had uh, C-3PO and they had the little... They had a little chip with them that was supposed to go on a in a in a pedestal that you put the toy on and it would let the toy talk and stuff like that. So I bought several of them and I kept them in the package because I was <laughs> determined twenty five years from now I'm going to sell these for like a million dollars or something like that. You know? Yeah. I don't well, have them anymore. I I, I I I I made the mistake of storing them in my son's room when he was little and he opened them and played with them and broke them <laughs> <laughs> no I'll, I'll tell you a funny story along those lines sean uh when the power of the force 2 collection came out in uh, i believe it was like 96 97 there was a special mail away toy for the spirit of uh, obi-wan kenobi 
It was like this glow-in-the-dark. It looked like the Kenobi toy, but it was blue and glow-in-the-dark. And you could only get it with, uh, you had to pay $5 and have something like six proofs of purchases of Lay's uh, potato chips bags. So, I, so, I, so what do I do? I go to the store and I said I want to buy ten of them. So I go and I buy like fifty bags of potato chips, and I'm just like emptying all the chips out like onto my. Uh, at the time, I'm living at my parents because I was like a in high school then, and I'm just emptying all these bags of chips into all these bowls, cutting out the proofs of purchases to mail off for these things. My dad comes over, he's like, what in the world is going on here? There was like potato chips, and like, I was pulling out all my mom's mixing bowls, and just dumping the chips. I'm like, well, we got enough chips to last us, uh, you know, a lifetime now, but needless to say, I got all of those uh, Obi-Wan Kenobis, and uh, needless to say, they, they didn't really hold their value like I thought they did, but I thought the mail away toy would be the would would be one uh, that uh, i need to hold on to but uh we had uh, potato chips everywhere in the house so <laughs> <laughs> um now a lot of those toys that they made back in the 70s and 80s you know they weren't making them they were making them for kids to play with so they didn't make them to last so i get i guess that's why you've got a lot of value for the toys that uh that actually still look like a new toy i know they had the the Mego figures that came out, really, Mego figures started way before uh, Star Wars. Yes. Um, but the 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 beauty of those is that they could use the same doll and just change the head and the clothes <laughs> on all of them. But a, a lot of your Mego figures now look like chew toys because they, you know they 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 didn't age very well. So if you can if you can find some of those Mego figures, you know they're they're they're, they're worth a pretty good pretty good bit. Yeah, you know, Mego actually turned down the opportunity to produce the Star Wars toy line. And that's, that's right, who, yeah. And George Lucas wanted that. And uh, anyway, um, also, uh, Mattel and Hasbro, the other companies, they kind of passed on it at the time, too. So little tiny Kenner in Cincinnati picks up the bid to do it, and they just got completely overwhelmed. And uh, ironically, Mego went out of business and I think got bought out by someone or something. But Kenner picked up the bid and their company grew like 4,000%. Something crazy. I, I have all these books about the toys too, but they, they just grew incredibly fast after they got the Star Wars toy line. And uh, it was, uh, but yeah, um, what really amazes me though is how many carded figures still exist. Because who in 1980 was buying a Star Wars Darth Vader, you know, at your local you know, wherever, uh, KB toy store or whatever, and thinking, yeah, this will be worth a grand one day. Who was thinking about that in 1980? Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's amazing to me, I, you know, how, how these, all, all these carded figures have, have stayed in mint condition through the years. Yeah. Mego. I, yeah. I forgot. I forgot about that, about the star Wars toys. They did the, they did the star Trek line and they did, uh, they did some Marvel and some DC and stuff like that, but yeah, I forgot. I forgot about them not making the Star Wars toys. That's yeah. Er, everyone, everyone passed on them, but Kenner. And uh, when Kenner actually, uh, when the line was discontinued in '86, Kenner was kind of like they had grown so much and added so much employees, they didn't really know what to do anymore. So basically, what they had to do was. Um, they had to figure out another line of toys. And if y'all guys know what starting lineups were, do you remember, any of y'all remember starting lineups? They were like the I baseball and yeah, football the action baseball. Yeah. 
that was kind of the thing yeah. that temporarily saved Kenner for a while because they're like, all right, Star Wars is over. What are we going to do? So they came up with this idea for the uh, starting lineup toys. That lasted two or three years. Then they eventually just went under, and uh, Hasbro eventually bought them out. So now that's how where all the Star Wars toys are being released under uh, under the Hasbro name uh, now. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of like the Star Wars toys were really – the best and the worst thing ever to happen to little tiny Kenner toys up in Cincinnati. Um, have you seen, have any of you guys seen the, uh, the show that Mark Hamill is doing for the Comic-Con online channel? It's called Mark Hamill's Pop Culture Quest. Have any, any of you guys watched that? Uh, I heard him, he was on, he did an episode of The Nerdist where he was talking about it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I haven't, I haven't seen it. You, um, I mean, it's like I said, it's on the Comic Con channel. I forget what they call their channel, but and it's behind a paywall. But they've got the first, I don't know, three or four episodes available on YouTube, so you can you can kind of preview. The episodes are only about fifteen minutes long, um, and I watched two episodes of it in the last couple of days. Mark Hamill says he used to be an avid collector of everything. And didn't he say in that episode of Nerdist that he had like a whole warehouse that was separate from his house that just housed his stuff? I think so, yeah. Something like yeah. that, yeah. So he uh, and, and he was he was talking about the same kind of thing where, you know, it used to be all about the hunt and the yard sales and the hey, I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. And, yeah, that and that's more of the the sport of it that that people used to have instead of just going online and, and buying because then it's just a purchase i'm going online and i'm buying this thing or whatever but you know since he's been doing the the joker you know he's been big on collecting like dc stuff and batman stuff and and things like that but th the show is pretty decent you know he goes to different places and looks at different people's collections sometimes it's a toy collection sometimes he's going to a movie studio and looking at their uh, props. Uh, the first episode, I think he went to DC uh, headquarters and looked at, you know, they've got all these comics that they've got in an archive. They've got a number one action comics and a number one uh, detective comics. Rick, I think wow. you would like the second one because it's all about Godzilla toys. <laughs> yeah. There have been some really cool Godzilla toys over the years. Yeah. Yeah. He showed the one that it was, it was about, uh, it looked like it was about a foot and a half tall. And it had a little thing on the back that when you uh, pushed it, Godzilla's tongue would shoot out. <laughs> and he had a fist that you you pushed a button and his fist would go shooting across the room. Oh yeah, that was from the that was back when the the Shogun Warrior toys first got to the U.S. Yeah, uh, and they were yeah they were like two feet tall, and they they had a Godzilla one too that was like great great Mazinga and and that was one of them and they had like. They were they were giant mechs. This was the first introduction, really, of the of the the giant mech to the U.S. And uh, yeah, they'd shoot their fists and and they'd have rockets and stuff. And yeah, and then there was a Godzilla version of that too. That those were awesome. Yeah, this guy that, that he talked to in that episode had he was really big into Japanese toys. So he had a lot of Godzilla. He had a lot of robots. He had he had a lot of Power Ranger stuff. He had like actual actual suits that they wore not in power rangers but what's the name of the show that power rangers is based off of in japan you, you know what i'm talking about um, oh um ultraman no so no to uh, su super sin super sensei or something like that uh, it's the show that they take the actual power rangers footage from and, and put the american stuff on top of it they um 
they, he had some of the suits of the monsters that people would get inside of and, you know, had them autographed by the, by the person that wore it and stuff like that. So it's a pretty cool show, except the only thing that's weird about it is at the beginning and end of the show, it's kind of bookended with Mark Hamill talking to a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like you're watching Sesame Street because they want the Empire Strikes Back. I'm no, just kidding. No, yeah. <laughs> no, they wanted to they wanted to have footage of him kind of talking about what the episode is going to be about and who's going to be talking to. But instead of having him talk to a person, they had him talk to a, a little puppet rabbit that he called Pop. You know, so but that that part's weird. But the rest of the show is uh, <laughs> the rest of the show is pretty uh, interesting. Interesting to watch, you know. Um, yeah. Do any of you have yeah. you, any of you guys ever collected comics? I know oh, that's yeah. the yeah. that's the main go to when you think of uh, guys that collect stuff that are based on you know this kind of genre stuff. M- most people think comic book collecting uh, automatically. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I, I, I yeah, my brother and I also we read comic books for years and. Uh, We've got a, you know, and not, we don't have any valuable ones because we were, uh, you know, Sean and I are the same age. And so we have everything from like late 80s to like, you know, the present and everything or uh, but uh, or but we had just a giant collection of everything. X-Men, Spider-Man, Avengers, uh, all those titles all throughout the 90s. Uh, yeah. And I actually have them all cataloged in those comic book boxes in my closet uh, as well. That's good stuff. So, I tried collecting comics when I was a kid, and I didn't have any valuable ones, but I did have a lot of comics. And when I got married, I left them at my grandmother's house because I didn't have anywhere to put them at, at the in the house that we were living in. So my grandmother's house burned down, and all my comics, all my magic cards, a lot of the fiction that I wrote when I was a kid, all gone. <laughs> you know, so... But that's, that's the way... You know, it is when you're collecting things, you're collecting a physical thing and stuff can happen to it, you know, so. Well, one to be on the lookout for uh, is New Mutants number 98, February of 91. Uh, That's the first appearance of Deadpool. And that's a comic that came out in our era, Sean, that because it was Deadpool's first appearance, it has a high uh, resale value like it, it's going for like two or three hundred dollars online and there's very few comics in that time frame that are worth a lot of money and that's one of them for sure so anyone uh want to know if they have any valuable comics see if you have that one uh, new mutant summer 98 i think we have that holy crap 500 bucks <laughs> I, I, I mean seriously like a, i just googled it on my phone and it the first thing that came out the first thing that came up was uh one that's going for five seventy two in a pretty good condition. Yeah, my my brothers collected comics from like mid eighties through early two thousands, and I know that that was one of the titles that they have. So, and and it's the same kind of thing. Like I like a few years ago, like we went through, we put them all in the sleeves and you know cataloged them in the boxes. So they're they're at his house, and uh, I don't know if he has that one in particular, but it, it's. Um, I know that was during the time that he collected, and I'm and I know that we liked the we we had most of the like the X titles at that time. So I had an uncle. He, I had an uncle that passed away when I was in uh, junior high, and um, he collected comics. He had probably four four boxes of comics, 
I don't remember exactly what he had in there. Rumor was that he had a number one Spider-Man in there somewhere. And um, after he passed away, my aunt didn't know anything about comics. And some guy took advantage of her and gave her like 700 bucks for all of them. Yeah, I'll give you 700 bucks. I'll give you 700 bucks for all of it. He probably had thousands of dollars worth of comics at the, and probably now they'd be they'd be worth even more, especially number 1 Spider-Man. I don't know what that's worth, but yeah, she got she got taken <laughs> on that deal. But um how many stories are like that about anything, toys, anything, you know? I mean, there everyone knows has a story like that they hear from someone. That it's a shame to us people who just uh Waste their lives collecting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, that's pretty much all I've got. You guys have anything to add before we uh, call it call it a night? Uh, well, I want to thank y'all, gentlemen, for having me on the podcast. Uh, like, um, I'm going to be speaking at the Mississippi Comic Con in Jackson, doing a panel there. It is. Uh, let me make sure I got the correct dates on this real quick. It is going to be June 24th and June 25th, and uh, I'm just going to be doing a panel on Star Wars collecting. I'll be bringing a lot of toys to display there and show off, and just talking about uh, you know the history of the toys and answer questions, and I'll be giving out prizes. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Sean, that's the week before Magic City Con, and mm-hmm. I'm not doing any panels there besides uh, coming to all your panels, So, but uh, <laughs> I'll be happy to uh, talk to anyone there or anything, and, you know... Uh, I love going to conventions because everyone's so friendly and it's my kind of people. Magic City Con is June the 30th through July the 2nd. I believe that's right. Um, So, yeah, if you guys are in the uh, Birmingham area, come on out. I'm going to be doing some panels. I'm hoping to host a a Jeopardy game like I did last year. Which was uh, outstanding, by the way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. I need to get to work on that. I need to get some new questions for that. and we'll be doing some other things, uh, but uh, Rick, you uh, yes sir, you want to plug anything? Uh, well, uh, you can come over to simplysyndicated.com and listen to uh, various shows that I do there. Starbase sixty six has been revived. Uh, we just put out a, a show about fan fiction uh, or the, earlier this week. Uh, I'm also putting out archived shows in between to kind of fill up the spaces. Also, did a, a an admiral's table about the Alien franchise and what we what we think of it right now. Um, <laughs> also, have my my Stargate uh, SG One uh, uh, show review uh, uh, podcast. Ah, uh, it's late, folks. I'm up past my bedtime. <laughs> it's, it's called the Seventh Chevron. Uh, and also uh, our weekly movie review sh- or movie news show called uh, Simply Syndicated Movie News. I'm I'm, I'm kind of jealous of your podcasting skills because uh, when did the new episode of of the Starbase come out? Was it uh, Tuesday of this week, something like that? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday is Starbase, and today is Thursday. And today is Thursday. And you said on the show that you didn't have any way of streaming anything to your television. And the next day, oh, somebody gave me a Chromecast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, man, he's got skills. (laughs) That was very unexpected. And, uh, yeah, I I get an email this morning from a listener, uh, not even in the U.S., who's like, I've loved your show, been listening since the beginning, and I was – I pitied you when you said you didn't have any way to just to, to cast onto your TV. So can I buy you something? And I was like, no, 
okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm you will you will love Chromecast. I've got one on both of my TVs, and yeah, it's great being able to just use your phone and just send what you're watching to the TV. And there's a lot of time I annoy my wife with it because we're watching TV, and I'll pull up something on my phone and say, "Hey, watch this," and I'll throw it on the TV. (laughs) But, But yeah. It's 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 life changing. <laughs> um, yeah, my wife she's walking out of the room. She said that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> All awesome. right, John, thank you for being here. You're welcome. And everybody, that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna do it for our show for this week. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Well, I was gonna ask you if you had anything to plug, but. I, every time I ask you that, you just say, no, not really. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. So the people I'll be plugging it to are already listening. This is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I create a Mobius loop of, of uh, uh, promotion and realization if I plug the show that I'm on while I'm plugging it, while I'm on it. And nobody wants that. It's like Googling Google. Well, everybody, yeah. make sure that you listen to John on Cosmic Potato, and you can find that show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podcast Attic on the Android Store. Uh, go there and subscribe so you'll know when we drop a new episode. Leave us a rating and a review so that we can help more people find the show. And you can get in touch with us by visiting visiting our website at CosmicPotato.com and clicking on the Contact tab. There you'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages as well as our email at mail at CosmicPotato.com. And thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear John say... Okay, so, like, I was hanging out at the mall with a friend, wasting time. This was, like, mid-2000s, and we were, we were just walking around, and I went into the Dollar Tree, right? True story. This is totally true. Went, went to the Dollar Tree, and by that point... By that point, um, the Phantom Menace had been universally panned, and <laughs> everybody was mad at it. So there were a whole bunch of Star Wars figures, like in a in a big bin, like right in front at the Dollar Tree. And like in a moment of um, inspired comic genius, uh, I turned to my friend and said, "Look, look, look!" And she was like, "What?" And I picked up the Natalie Portman doll and I said, "I'm a dollar! I'm a dollar!" <laughs> Yeah, I I will laugh at that joke forever. (laughs) I was going to do the rim shot and it didn't play. There we go. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Fix it in post. Say I'm a dollar again. I'm a dollar! There you go. The most. The moment's passed.